Welcome to The Ziegler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and this is our Q&A show. In this show, I wanted to hit one more time this topic of meditation as a beneficial practice for our personal development progress. It seems like everybody's doing it these days, and meditation is losing its spiritual baggage, per se, and going mainstream as a new exercise of today's greatest leaders and influencers. If you listen to our Habits show you hear it over and over as a primary staple for our esteemed guests and their consistent strategies for success. So, of course, I wanted to ask you, the listening audience, do any of you actually meditate and why? What do you get out of it? Then I couldn't help but a couple of days ask the follow-up question, if you don't meditate, why not? Well, we actually received far more responses than I anticipated. I honestly didn't expect so many people to be meditating or to have tried it out or be trying it out. But we got into all the areas, even the th aspect of, you know, can you meditate and be a Christian? Can you meditate while driving a car? Does that count? Or reading your Bible? Is that the meditation? Does that suffice? I enhanced the conversation by having Johnny Powlard himself co-host with me. And folks, he was just brilliant and candidly answering the hard questions. A couple highlight topics Johnny came to in this show were how to escape the bondage of survival. I love that line. And in further, that survival is not a mark of success, yet that's where a lot of us, uh, of us find ourselves. I came out of the discussion just more convicted than ever. Uh, Johnny is an international meditation expert and guru. And in show 671, if you didn't catch that one, we talked directly about meditation and freeing ourselves from ourselves. What a great point that is. Uh, and again, it's not just about meditation in and of itself. It's a means to an end, a vehicle. It was just a fascinating conversation. Again, it was prompted by my talk, my interview with Michael Hyatt, who shared that he used Johnny's top-ranked meditation app, One Giant Mind, every single day. So it's prompted me to give it a try. Actually, more than that, to commit to it. And I am working on it. So this show is just really worth listening to. So you can decide if you want to start this practice of meditation or not. Okay, friends, here then I bring you our Q&A on meditation. And a heads up here, uh, as you'll hear, Johnny has just arrived, or as, at this recording, he had just arrived in Australia, was nestled out in the woods around 10 a.m. his time. Birds are chirping in the background. Hopefully you'll find the ambiance inspiring. Well, in posting this question, uh, Johnny, as I, as I told you, you know, we do have, it's a Ziegler audience. It's a fairly conservative audience and it does have a, a high percentage of Christian folks in it. So it was not surprising. This was not the overwhelming response that we got to the question at, at all, but I thought since we did get a handful of them, let's go ahead and hit ahead and hit the spiritual side. You know, that that often maybe muddies the waters, uh, I could say of this. So I'll throw these at you and let you respond. Good enough. Great. Okay. Uh, Karen White here. She says, I just listened to your interview with Johnny Pollard. Uh, it sounds so beneficial. I always think about transcendental med meditation, which I was told was a big no, no and cult like, but I do believe that God wants us to meditate. His word says, so it's something I've tried, but haven't stuck to. Uh, I'll try it again. Maureen Swoger afterwards. She says, yes, I was really getting into meditation and all sorts of new agey stuff. Uh, Kandalina yoga. I don't even know that transcendental, blah, blah, blah. But I listened to a podcast that really talked about taking every thought captive and avoiding certain types of meditation. So I scaled back on the so-called wisdom of the world. Kirk Anderson says, as a Christian, I do have med I have meditated, um, and, but maybe not the way meditation is taught today by the gurus. I think there are a lot of 
different meditations out there that can distract us from our walk with Christ. So I would just say, uh, be careful what you think. Then I'll end here. Robert Harshfield, he says there's a difference between the Eastern and Western definitions for meditation. He says Eastern is more of the empty the mind of thought, where Western is to think about, ponder, and consider. So there, nothing you haven't heard before, dealt with before, but for our folks and myself included, who have not spent a lot of time in this arena, uh, relevant thoughts, give us, give us some feedback. Okay, great. Well, I'd love to speak to uh, the, the, the comments made that directly concern um, the conflict that a Christian might feel um, taking up a practice of meditation. And for me, it's really simple. The relationship to God is one that is internally referenced. It's not externally referenced. When we're talking about actually communing with the, the experience of God, it requires a quiet mind and a still heart. And um, the, the quieter the mind and the stiller our heart, the, the deeper the experience, the deeper the connection, the more coherent and sustained that it is. And so when we're talking about meditation, um, the way that I see it is an amplifier of the, the antenna. Mm. The, the, it boosts the signal, uh, the, the receptor, the, that which receives the, the impulse of the divine is um, refined and clarified. And there are so many misconceptions out there about what meditation is. Ultimately, um, and I, you know, I've, I've traveled throughout the East and sat with many great masters, uh, that all attest to teaching very high level people in, in many different religions, um, that were curious to really understand what it was all about. And the simplest way it was put to me is that it just refines the, um, the aspect of our humanity that is able to connect with the divine. Mm-hmm. It refines it. Now, whatever it is that is your faith is, is the thing that is going to be amplified. And um, every person that I've, that I've taught to meditate that is you know, dedicated to their faith and specifically Christians, um, the reports have been astonishing in terms of, you know, the, the power and the sense of purpose that they feel as a result of praying after meditating. Mm-hmm. When, when they meditate, they go into this quiet, relaxed place where they can get clarity on what it is that they're seeking to understand and then bring that at the feet of their, of their prayer and what occurs is a is profound insight and a deep sense of uh, you know a palpable union with what they describe as their experience of God. Yeah. And um, from my perspective and and, for, and from these stories, you know, it, it's a, it's a very simple and elegant way of increasing uh, your relationship. And so I, I I know that there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, and you know, some of it is, you know, skewed towards other religions. Mm -hmm. And from that perspective, if you're looking at it, um, through that lens, then it's, you know, it's, it's natural and probably quite important to ask the question, is this going to impede or impinge on my own faith? 
Uh, but the reality is that, you know, the, the, the simple practice of meditation um, outside of the context of any one particular tradition or religion is a almost like a, a neutral activity that lends itself to um, amplifying our humanity. Mm-hmm. And part of our humanity is the deep desire to commune with that, which is at the heart of our existence. And from the Christian perspective, that is, you know, God. And, um, yeah, so, so that, that's my response to that. No, it, it, it's, it's great. I wanted to, to hear that. I appreciate that. I like the aspect of you saying it's, it's neutral because to me it felt like it depends on the motive. I mean, I do spend every morning in a second story room in my house that looks out over the national forest and I have, uh, I have a Bible, I have a, a journal, I have other books that I'm reading that, that are not faith-based necessarily. And I just kind of go where the spirit leads me in that. And I spent, sometimes I'm journaling, sometimes I'm reading, sometimes I'm underlining what I'm reading. Sometimes I'm looking out the window to me, however, in talking with you, well, let me go there. I go there. Sometimes if I have a specific idea that I'm chewing on business related or, or, or whatnot, I like to go for a pretty, pretty good run or a ride. It kind of, kind of empties me out. It's hard to think about other things when I'm doing that. And I've, I'll have my epiphanies there. Some other people talk about, you know, the shower time or whatever. Now I, however, have taken meditation as I have focused on you and your message and one giant mind as even something different. And I'm putting this out there just for the admission of how I've seen it, not to tell people how you should see it. Um, but yep. uh, and I've looked at it as more, this is brain training and it was to somewhat Yeah, I'm hesitant to say empty my mind, but to try to give it a rest and let it refocus and feel rejuvenated now to go without the clutter. Uh, And so I've I've been I've been doing it that way. And I I felt like what I've experienced as I have started the habit with your app of One Giant Mind, what I've experienced is something different than what I got in either of the two other aspects that could be called a meditative time, even meditating on my Bible. When I'm doing that, it's not what I'm doing when I'm meditating. So for whatever that's worth, and I, I, I like your, I like your aspect of neutrality. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, an activity that amplifies whatever you um, put your attention on. Uh, in response to um, the gentleman that was sort of specifying the, the Eastern and Western yeah. Approaches to meditation in the East, it's about emptying the mind. In the West, it's more about contemplating what's in it. Um, uh, this is somewhat of an accurate statement, however, uh, not absolutely accurate uh, because there are lineages and traditions and disciplines from the East that very much concern themselves with understanding the content of the mind in context to a deeper experience uh, that can be experienced as a, as a, as a vast quietness an internal quietness. Um, to attain that quietness, however, we don't try and empty the mind. <laughs> it's like fighting fire with fire. Anybody knows that trying to tell yourself to, to quieten down inside the mind is just replacing one thought with another. Yeah. Telling yourself to quieten down is a thought. You know, what we need is a mechanistic approach, understanding the nature of how the mind works. And um, the technique that you're referring to, which is the technique that I um, that I share through the One Giant Mind app, yeah. is a, 
is a is a procedure by which we can lead the mind into that quieter place. Um, but it isn't absolutely thoughtless, as you know. Yeah. There is a quietness at the baseline of it, but then like a, like the ocean, there is a, a depth to it that is very quiet, very 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 vast. But then on the surface of the ocean, there's a lot of activity. You've got waves that are rising and falling and fluctuating. And the mind is the same. On the surface level of the mind, there's a lot of activity. And then as you move deeper into the mind, uh, it starts to become more quiet and more coherent. And as it becomes more quiet and coherent, we we feel this kind of um, emptiness. But uh, over time, what occurs in the meditative experience is we cease just experiencing this vast, deep emptiness by itself. What, what, it, what we start to notice is that the thoughts and the surface of the ocean is still existing simultaneously. You know, just because we take a dive in a submarine deep into the depths of the ocean and all we see is the dark abyss of, of, the, of the ocean doesn't mean that the surface ceases to exist, right? Yeah. Of course, it's still going on up there. The waves are still rising and falling, crashing. The mind is the same. Over time, we start to learn to become aware of the whole ocean, not just the depth or not just the surface. We include both the surface and the depth simultaneously. And this is what, this is what occurs um, through regular practice. And this is actually what we're after. But we want the surface of our mind to be referencing that deeper, quieter place. And so meditation is about establishing, uh, creating that, that reference point of that deep quietude inside of ourselves. Because it's there that we have the clarity of intent for how we wish to direct our attention towards that, which is going to provide us with the deepest level of connection and fulfillment in our life. Oh. Well, thank you for that. That's so, so helpful. Well, let me bring it to just a tangible aspect too. We'll bubble up a little bit. Christy Elmore, she says, I'm learning to meditate. I'm not sure why I hesitate because once I've meditated, I experience the immediate great effects. I'm using it at night because about with serious depression has jacked up my sleep cycle. Uh, depression is improving with the help from my uh, from my meditation, my counselor, uh, praise God now on to fixing the sleep issues, uh, themselves. Well, right after it though, Tina Fox, uh, so I'm going to, I'll, I'll throw a couple things at you. She says, I look forward to meditating every morning. I started last May and it has helped me start my day on a calm, positive, uh, note. I purchased a simple habits app. It's amazing. My awareness has grown leaps and bounds. I'm less reactive and more open to others point of view. Uh, first, just on a real surface level, you know, looking at the time now, Christy's having sleep issues. She's using it there. I think you would say, great though. I did ask you at the, at the end of our, our first, uh, interview together, if there was a better time and you said it's so much to subscribe to the, the, you like the morning to really start us off on a good place though, you know, again, what Christy says, I, I'm, I'm sure you would say, Hey, if there's a certain time that benefits you better than others, go for it. Yes. Correct. You know, whenever you can, I say, uh, but if we, if we're going to, um, become, uh, strategic about, you know, really increasing the benefit of the practice, I would say starting, uh, the day with a meditation, what it does is it, it, it brings the prefrontal cortex online. It livens it up. And the prefrontal cortex is responsible for all of our, our higher governing responses to life, our ability to um, be introspective and have coherence in that experience, to make accurate decisions under pressure, mm. to be compassionate and empathetic, to consider the needs of others. 
um, to uh, distinguish the difference between a, a fear-based reaction and a creative response, which is, mm. you know, everybody's desire. Um, all of those things we want online before we before we get stuck into the day. Yeah. You know, if we only if we only bring all of that stuff online at the end of the day, then I mean it's great because there's some relief from experiencing what you're experiencing during the day. But you know, you're not getting the full benefit, and everybody around you is not getting the full benefit of uh, you being as clear and coherent um, as you could be. Because ultimately, you know, it's that clarity that makes us pleasant to be around. Well, I think you said in your personal habits that you're a twice a day guy uh, on yeah. meditation. Well, there you minimum. go. Minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Okay, right. Whenever you can, okay. but minimum. So to, so to Christy, maybe it'd be a good uh, twice a day. Tim uh, Shanker here, he says, I think meditation is a, nece- is a necessity to really dig into making wise decisions. As a business owner who travels a lot, I always use my long drives to think about anything and everything. It's amazing how much insight I gain from these times. Um, thoughts on that one on decisions and on two, is it, uh, can you get viable meditation as you prescribe it in such a thing like that as a long drive? Certainly. Okay. Yeah. There, it's a different type of meditation. Okay. You know, there is eyes closed meditation there's eyes open meditation. You know, at the end of the day, my definition of meditation is anything that is expanding self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So if you're driving and reflecting on, um, circumstances that are taking place in your life, things that have happened, things that you would like to happen, your relationship to these things. Invariably, the more time you give to pondering these things, the more insight that's going to emerge. And so this wonderful woman is um, describing her experience as she goes on long drives. The more that she gives to her uh, experience, the more insight is revealed to her about the the best way to move forward. And, um, uh, you know, this is a, a great approach to, you know, getting clarity and insight about things that are happening inside your life. Having said that, what I would strongly encourage, however, is to have a minimum of a 15-minute eyes-closed practice a day, um, preferably twice, uh, you know, one in the morning and one in the evening. And what this does is it just increases that quietness and that clarity so that when you are driving, that meditative experience is more rich. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Well, Bert Newman here. I'm going to call him out. Bert is one of our podcast producers. So it was great to see him uh, post here. He says he has been using or or striving to to meditate regularly. He does see the benefits, but he's not regular yet. yet. He's trying to get there. He's a wannabe. You know, scheduling in today's world is difficult to find consistency. And, And of course, you know, we hear that from a lot. And I think it's easy. It's pithy to say, relevant, but pithy to say, hey, we find time for what we value. And this is one of those things that sure does not scream to us. It's not, um, well, I'll speak for myself. It's not as tangible as, you know, go, go do a workout, go do a run, go lift weights, go. This has been, I have balked at it and I've been pretty vocal on that as we talked. It's one of the reasons I wanted you on here. I had my, uh, my, my, my great friend and doctor in here recently talking about some issues that I'm having health wise. He says, "I, I think your number one prescription is you need to meditate. You've got to slow things down, calm things down. And it seems like a 
growing need in our busier and busier culture. And I would say, obviously, you know that Johnny, but I I guess you're also seeing that because you have an an app that more and more people are signing up to. You have a book that's going on. You're being asked right now. You're talking to us from Australia where you're, you said you've been teaching in in different places around the world. And, uh, and yet there you go. It's gotta be one of those things frustratingly that people are more likely to put off than even other good habits. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest symptoms of stress is the belief that your needs, as in taking care of your mental, emotional and physical well-being is secondary to getting whatever needs to be done to satisfy that need to quell the anxiety. And this is a, a, a classic symptom of the fight or flight response. Yeah. And um, when we're in that fi- uh, high stress mode, uh, the nervous system and the brain are operating as if we're in danger, uh, whether we like it or not. And then, 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 there might be no danger around at all. But you know, getting in, getting in the car, getting uh, picking the kids up from school, getting to the grocery store to get the groceries, um, to get back in time to get one of the kids to this event to get the, you know if we feel a sense of pressure and we're tired, that experience biologically can be the same as if somebody's coming at us with a knife. We can experience the same level of um, biological stress as if we are in some real danger. And um, a lot of this is happening without us even really knowing it. Now, if we're in danger, if we're, sorry, if we are feeling like we're in danger, and everything around us seems kind of okay, it's very, very difficult to um, convince the mind and the body to sit and be still for a second. Yeah. yeah. Because the, what, the, what the body's printing out is, no, you cannot do that. You need to be on guard. There is danger. And so what we're going against is a, an immense physical force of chemistry that's running through our body that's saying high alert, danger, danger, danger. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a tough thing to go up against. And that's the thing that's derailing, um, well-intentioned people sitting and meditating regularly on a daily basis. The propaganda of stress chemistry is very powerful and it can convince us that everything around us is more important than tending to our own nervous system. And this is the great challenge that we face in implementing the daily program and reclaiming the power of our lives back because quite often we are the slave to our, our anxiety. We are the slave to our fear yeah. and that, that, that worry of the future, if I don't do this and this and this and this and this and this and this right now, then something terrible is going to happen. And it's, it's just not true. And we've got enough data to support the reality that it's just not true. And we need to just look at the data and go, okay, I'm invested in this, this whole approach to living that has me exhausted, stressed, tired, uh, not enjoying myself. Yeah. And yet I know that I don't have to do that, but yet I am. <laughs> and so what can we do about this? What it requires is a commitment through the power of our own volition to be willing to confront that noise that's happening inside of us yeah. and 
unfortunately for most people, they won't do this until there's some kind of crisis. Now, you mentioned, you know, there's been some things happening with your health that's requiring you going and getting an opinion of a doctor and others. And, you know, they're, they're telling you, look, you can't keep going like this. And so your, your impetus has arrived. Your crisis point has arrived. And, um, you know, it's, it's front and center for you. But yet you still kind of grapple with prioritizing yourself. You know, what we're talking about here is not prioritizing meditation. We're talking about prioritizing yourself, your well-being, and this is how you need to look at it. And furthermore, it's it's not just to benefit you. It's to benefit everybody that you are responsible for caring for, that you have a responsibility to be interacting with on a daily basis because, you know, there's nothing worse than having to, you know, interact with somebody who is not present, who's stressed, and, well, I, I actually, I would say that there are a lot of things worse than, <laughs> than having to deal with someone. I understood that, yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's no fun um, when, when dad is not present, when dad's not yeah. here, you know, and, um, you know, the mind is preoccupied with the future. And so when, when we think about meditation, it's, it's not just about us. It's about everyone that we're responsible for and um, the, the smoothness of our life. Mm-hmm. Now, the last thing I want to say about this, mm-hmm. the mind is the one thing that is involved in absolutely every single thing that we do. Correct? Do yes, you agree? Absolutely. There is, nothing, there is nothing that the mind is not involved in. It's the one thing that determines the quality of experience of everything, uh, including, you know, how we receive people and what we're outputting on a day-to-day basis, a moment-to-moment basis. Mm. The quality of our mind determines the quality of our connection to our heart, which, you know, determines our our connection to our spirituality and ultimately our sense of fulfillment. If the mind is not good, everything else is out of whack. Now, when we're awake for about 15 hours a day, you know, to meditate for 15 minutes twice a day, equates to about 2 to 3% of our of our waking time. Now time I would argue is our most precious commodity. It's the most precious thing that we have. Absolutely. And so how are we justifying not investing 2 to 3% of our most precious thing into the one thing that is involved in absolutely everything that we do, our mind and our nervous system that determines the quality of input and output and everything that we do. How do we justify not doing it? You know, we, we, we could go to the gym and, you know, get a little bit of, you know, benefit maybe, right. you know, might look a little bit better, might feel a little bit stronger, but is it improving the quality of our decision-making? Uh, is it increasing our relationship to, to God? Is it, is, it, is it refining the quality of our relationship with our loved ones? Are we being the most supportive people that we possibly can be to, to everyone around us, you know? We have to think about how we're investing our time. And when we think about it from this perspective, investing 2, 2% of our, of our waking time to refining and Im, uh, improving the quality of our mind is, is just the smartest thing that we could be doing. <laughs> okay. I, I, I want to hit on something there. I'll, I'll read a question and, and come back into it from there. Shemus, sure. and I'm not going to uh, – Shemus, I'm, I'm not going to – 
Well, yeah, I'm going to pick on you. I hope you can, I hope you can handle it. You posted on public Facebook here. So hopefully you can, because I'm going to use it to pick on myself as well. He says, I just know I grew up in the eighties and nineties and I was always, uh, it was, it was always meditation, just sort of a spoofy mystical thing. Martial artists did in movies and the Dalai Lama did, uh, for a kid, <laughs> yeah, for a kid with ADD and on Ritalin, the idea of sitting still and not thinking about anything quietly was simply not happening. And now there are acres to mow, dishes to wash, wrenches to turn, kids to entertain, and the list goes on. Uh, so when there are a few moments it's spent reading scripture and pondering that, well, I read that because I think a lot of people can relate and, and I can too. There are so many things. I have a big family. I've got five kids full time at home and I've got other kids that are coming home all the time. There's never a dull moment, but I realize I don't use that. I'm not a victim. Um, I realize too, I am, I, I fear boredom. Um, I fear it and I don't understand it as well. I would rather, I, there's so many things I'd like to just multiply myself and I yeah. do, I want to go work out and I want to, I want to run. Those are food for my soul and it you know helps me feel well. I want to uh, work on this business idea and I want to meet with this person and I want to do these things with my kids and the list goes on and on. And now I'm at the point at 48 and, and I'm, I mean, I'm doing well overall, but I'm finding some areas where, gosh, I'm not. I don't feel like I'm getting the most out of it. And we're backing that into sleep. And that I, I think what I have ultimately become addicted to is production. And it's not from, it's not stress from worry. It's stress from excitement. And I would rather just, yeah, multiply myself and do a hundred more things over the years of living that way. I have, yeah, my mindset is just, it, it's on, it's ready to go. It's fight or flight. I think it's doing that even from a, an idea. It's the next business deal that comes through on an email or a phone call or whatever that I'm jazzed about. And now, so all that to back into what you said, I am being told by others. And, uh, just as what you're saying to a degree, I think is Kevin, if you want to do all those things better, you've got to stop, do this, make this a priority so that you can do those things better. And I'm being hit by that from all sides. So I say that to speak to the people who may not feel like, you know, they're, they're not super stressed out from worry. Life is good that they want to do more. I think we've got a lot of those folks in the Ziggler audience that we can still though, take that and just do too much. Just like working out, we can go do that. If I go run out here by hour something or other, I'm going to hit the end and that's how I'm living my life. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully put. I don't think I have much to say to that. You just said it beautifully. Okay. Well, there's my public admission then of why <laughs> I am being told time and time again, that this is the direction that I've got to go. Okay. Here's one. And I'm, I'm going to take us a little bit of a different direction. Mary, uh, McGuire, she says she's had a great positive experience with meditation. She says she's used the headspace app for a year and meditated each day. Uh, she says, I admit I really wanted the badge and I'm going to come back to that. Uh, but here's what happened. She says, I slowed down in many ways. I learned to breathe better and felt it helped me respond more calmly to life's occasional chaotic events than it did when I didn't practice meditation. I've not kept up with it though. And I need to get back on track. Sometimes when I need to think through something, I do take some time, breathe slowly and intentionally. And I've also blended it at times with prayer. So I read some of that just to give folks another testimony to somebody who's had a positive experience with it. Um, but on the, the headspace app, so they somewhat, and I'm going to take us into some of the specifics. You've got the one giant mind app, which again, I got tipped off by Michael Hyatt, uh, who most people know of. And he actually responded to our thread and said, yep, I'm, I use one giant mind. And, uh, I have appreciated using that. 
I know the headspace one is real popular. They've, I guess they, you do it consecutively and get a badge, which is just gamifying, which we all are, whether that's accountability or, or competitiveness. And I'm not asking you to, uh, you know, diss a competitor or, or anything, but to that degree, there are a lot of things out there. When you looked at doing the one giant mind app, how did you intentionally differentiate it? Can I ask yeah, okay. uh, so there's a, there's a number of things that differentiate it. The first and most poignant is the technique itself. Okay. Um, the the it's one of the only apps that I know that teaches this particular type of technique that causes the mind to um, not ruminate on what's going on inside the mind, but to move beyond it and to connect with this deeper quietness that's happening inside of there to establish this experience of our, our inner being. And once the inner being is established, then there is a radiance of clarity that enables us to interact with ourselves with greater ease. Um, and so this particular technique um, is uh, generally only uh, able to be um, learned, you know, face-to-face with the teacher. Mm. So it was quite a revolutionary thing to be able to deliver it in a, in a way that could be constructively learned. The second point that differentiates it is that most of the apps on the market don't teach a technique per se. They are more about guiding you through experiences. Mm. What we are concerned with is actually teaching you a technique that you can become self-sufficient in so that if you don't have the app, you can still meditate and know how to practice that particular technique. So what we offer is a course um, and it's a, it's a 12 step course that's run over, uh, you know, 12 consecutive 15 minute sessions. And then after you've learned the technique, it holds you accountable to a, a 30 day challenge. Um, and after about that period of time, you've got a taste of how it can really impact your life. And hopefully it's, it's, it's starting to form as a habit. Um, and then you can just continue retaking that 30 day challenge, um, which is, you know, kind of gamifying it, but not really. You know, it, um, yeah, we, we, the way that we look at it is that if you spend the time to reflect on the benefits of the practice rather than what you're achieving in terms of, you know, yeah. linear, linear milestones, um, then you're likely to want to continue practicing it. Yeah. If you're dependent on an app, saying, you know, congratulations, here you've got a golden badge, you've, you've just completed 30 days or whatever, which we do. We don't give a gold star, but we certainly, you know, do a big sort of, yay, congratulations. Yeah. Um, we know how, how big a thing it is. But what we're really interested in with One Giant Mind is creating um, the habit self-sufficiently. Our app is free. Um, you know, it's, it's truly there just to be of service. And, um, you know, it's 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 about in, empowering you to to become self-sufficient so you have a tool you know it's not rocket science meditation is not rocket science but it does require a concerted commitment committed effort to learning the art of it so that it, it sticks mm-hmm. and once it sticks it really sticks and has a, a remarkable impact well so that, that's how i differentiate it and yeah. you know now having said that you know <clears throat> it's of great value to certain people just to be guided yeah. and you know I believe Headspace does that really, really well. And it's a reason why they're hugely successful. Um, And the reality is, from my perspective, there's no such thing as a competitor in the meditation space because um, 
the world needs as much help as it can get right now yeah. to, 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 to eliminate some of the stress that's causing us to be making such terrible decisions that are having such a massive impact in our world. So, you know, a meditating world is a peaceful world in my opinion and anybody that's out there, you know, trying to get more people meditating, the better. Ah, well said, well said. And, and I can, as a newbie in this, as an infant in this, that I do feel like you're teaching me a technique that I've found myself in a couple different times in a moment. Uh, you know, even on my back deck, it's relaxing or whatever. It's going, no, I need to take a, take a moment and do this and to do it, to do it right, to get the benefit out that I want to get mm-hmm. out of it. You know, speaking on that, uh, Johnny, you know, Zig Ziglar was big on self-affirmations and retraining the brain. And we talk a lot about his self-talk cards that he would have where you talk through these things every day and retrain your brain. And one of the biggest stumbling blocks to those was people, because he would talk about get in front of the mirror. You know, his classic Zig, get in front of the mirror, read these off, look yourself in the face because he knew the dynamics, not only just of reading them, but of speaking them out loud and looking at yourself and that you can't have dissonance. Uh, If you're talking to yourself, it's hard to, it's more easy to take take that in and to believe it. So, But people felt self-conscious. They felt goofy. They didn't want anybody in the house to know that they're standing in front of the mirror talking to themselves. So I give that as a preface to Patricia Logan. She says, she simply said, I feel self-conscious, even if I'm alone. I responded back to her on Facebook. I said, so have you been, I said, so you have not been successful in trying to meditate. She said, no, Uh, but I haven't tried in a while. I do remember that I struggled to quiet my thoughts. The alone time helped me to get focused on what I had to do, but usually it was not what I started out meditating on. Uh, you know, again, back to one, your technique, but I really wanted you just to hit on the fact that I think for a lot of people, it's, it's, it's so, uh, who was it? And if we talk about it in your show or somebody else that, you know, one of man's biggest, um, handicaps is that he can't sit quietly in a room by himself for 15 minutes. Uh, said, was it Pascal? Did I get that right? Something. Okay. But, but just to that, that this is not something that we are used to doing. There's a meme. I should have gotten it off. I was joking with a friend about it. A meme that's gone around to say the other day I saw a guy walk into a coffee shop. He ordered coffee. He sat down and he just sat there just drinking his coffee like a psychopath. (laughs) We don't do that. Yeah, we don't do that. And so here's Patricia saying, I just felt soft, self-conscious being alone, just doing that. Well, can we, can we break that down? Yeah, please. What, what meditation does is increase self-awareness. Another way of saying self-awareness is self-consciousness. Now, I would say to Patricia that her feeling more self-conscious is exactly where she wants to be hmm. because all of the discomfort that she is experiencing in life, perhaps suffering, um, anxiety or whatever it is that's not feeling great is as a result of a lack of self-awareness or self-consciousness. So her taking some time to sit there and become self-conscious is actually the name of the game. You want to become aware of what is causing you to feel uncomfortable. Constantly distracting yourself from self-awareness is what is at the root of human suffering, that disconnection from who we truly are. And what meditation is providing you with is an opportunity to become comfortable in the discomfort, 
Yeah. Learning yeah. to sit quietly with yourself and be okay with what's going on. Okay, I'm self-conscious. I'm aware that I have sensations happening inside of me that aren't comfortable. I can either accept these, look at them, and begin to investigate what it is that might be causing this, or alternatively, I can ignore it, distract yeah. myself, Put a and continue, on it. Yeah. continue doing what I'm doing, but slowly but surely dilute my fulfillment because that discomfort and that noise inside only grows over time louder and louder and louder and louder until it becomes so overwhelming that, you know, you're unable to recognize yourself at all. You don't know who you are and you don't know what you like because, you know, at the end of the day, knowing ourselves means knowing what we like, knowing what we don't like, knowing what is appropriate and inappropriate for us, knowing what is relevant, what is irrelevant, knowing what is priority, what is not priority. When we don't know those things, we're confused. And when we're confused, we're anxious. And so we need to come to understand ourselves intimately in order to get that certainty, that insight. And so, Patricia, I would say to you this, as an exercise, give yourself an, an opportunity to be uncomfortable for a moment yeah. and know that nothing terrible is going to happen but something extraordinary will. Insight will emerge. If you give yourself time to just sit with yourself, be self-conscious, be okay with reflecting upon yourself and what you'll notice is that you're able to just observe yourself without reacting to yourself. Now, meditation is something that increases that capability. And the more comfortable you become with yourself, the more you know yourself. The more you know yourself, the more clarity you have, the more clarity you have, the more enjoyable your life is. That is, that's convicting. You said something there, but I'm going to come back to it. I want to hit one here because you just, uh, I, I actually didn't have it as next, but I, I scroll down to it just as we're talking about this thing that we're, uh, Barb, and I think it's Goni. She says, it's, it's a little long here, but bear with me. She says, I've always loved meditation and had played around with it inconsistently for about 15 years, but it's only this year that I developed a daily practice. It has come about from introducing mindful meditation and other mindful practices to my students. I realized that the children I teach didn't have the insight to choose to manage their own behavior from within. And what's more, they seem to think that when they misbehave it, it's because that's the way they are because their brains tell them to. They have not developed an awareness of themselves, their thoughts and feelings, and how these affect the choices they make every day at school and at home. Now that we have been meditating for five minutes at the start of every lesson for the last three months, the change in the behavior of, and she has in quotes, the naughty few, as well as the mood of the whole class has improved considerably. And those five minutes a day have encouraged me to meditate another five minutes in the evening to do some breathing work and create little meditation pockets throughout the day that have really helped me cope with the anxiety I was facing as a mom with a full-time, uh, a side, a full-time job, a side gig, a house to clean and a blog to write. Now I responded to her on Facebook and I said, Oh my gosh, you, you're stellar. Thank you so much. How amazing you are for doing this for your class. It's above and beyond and, and just glorious. She responded back that there are many schools and teachers trying to make mindfulness and meditation part of the curriculum in an effort to tackle mental health issues in children. 
and I didn't write it down. I don't believe she's, uh, she may be in the UK. I don't think she's from America. Um, I don't know because mm-hmm. on the American front, I have a hard time seeing that happen. But anyways, just to her talking about that, how revolutionary and changing for a class of kids who are in this increasingly busy and dulled culture, I would say. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, actually the, the U S is, is leading the world in um, uh, introducing meditation into schools. Oh, okay. Goodness. And, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and in actual fact, now they're starting to replace detention with meditation. Wow. So, so rather than coming to, uh, you know, an after school detention, um, they come and they have to sit and do a meditation class and it's having a profound impact. There's a lot of schools introducing this now, Goodness. which is such a cool thing. But, um, uh, you know, the person who wrote that, uh, that, uh, message on Facebook, uh, you know, has expressed herself so clearly yeah. and articulated everything that, uh, meditation, you know, promises, which is that capacity um, to internally reference oneself and make decisions based on the responsibility that we each have as human beings. When we are dependent on someone outside of ourselves to tell us what to do, then we have handed away our power. And if we're learning that as children and then go into adulthood, then you know, we're, we're not bringing everything that we have to the table to, you know, to, to have the kind of impact that we each can, yeah. that we actually have the responsibility to have. You know, we, we need to be empowered as children to know how to turn our attention inward, make sense of our internal reality, and then respond in accordance with our own conscience, with our own sense of what is right. Mm-hmm. And meditation is, is, is like the, the foundation of that building. You lay the foundation of that building and then what you build on top of that, you know, it can be, it can come from, you know, a faith-based curriculum. Um, there's, there's, there's so many different angles that you could take that, you know, are, are based in ethics, morality, and, you know, a sense of responsibility for, for our fellow humans. And, um, you know, just these small improvements in behavior that she is observing in her students in the class. Oh, gosh, yeah. It's just the start of something huge for these kids in their adult life. Massive. Yeah. Well, I, uh, folks, there are so many responses. I think there were uh, 50 to 60 responses. If you want to go see those, I think it's just so empowering to see other people who are grappling with this. There's a lot of people saying, you know, I really have a hard time in doing it and believing that it'll be good. And we're not going to get to all those. You can go to my Facebook page at agent K Miller. And it was the April uh, 15 and 17. I posted a couple different questions of, of April 2019. You can look at those, but I wanted just to, to end here. And it's, we've kind of hit on this again, but I'm going to bring up something that you said in relation to it. David Treese, he says, it is just so hard for me to slow down. If I have a free minute, then I feel like I should be doing something with quantifiable results. And I'll let you address quantifiable results, but something you said a minute ago about you, you said the term, uh, diluting my fulfillment. And that just, Mm. that just hit me, uh, because, we are 
getting used to hearing and back to youth somewhat that they are dull, that they're numb. But I, I, you know, I'm in a, I have a medical practice I'm partnering and I hear that from people, brain fog and depression are growing at these astronomical rates. And it, when you said that diluting the, my, my fulfillment and, and I just got the impression of, of a car, if anybody's had a car, an old car, like I have had plenty of that can overheat. I mean, you just cannot continue. You got to stop and let it cool off. And that's what I'm getting for myself. And I'm hearing from other people the need to just stop, but it's different. And I, and I guess I'll ask you to hit on this. We're not talking about kicking the shoes off at the end of the day, watching TV with some chips and a beer. That's some relief and not to diss that. That's it's joyful, man. I love a good movie, some good Mm -hmm. spicy popcorn and a glass of wine. Love it. But that's relief. That is not renewal. I don't usually get up from the end of that or, you know, folks that'll spend half the day watching sports or something. That's fun. But do you get up after that and go, man, I feel great. I feel renewed. Usually you got a stomach ache and the overindulgence of sugar and salt and whatnot. But back to that diluting my fulfillment. I, I, I believe that's going to resonate probably with an ouch to a lot of people. Are they at a place today where whatever they're doing, even the good things, their fulfillment is diluted to man. That's just a convicting statement from you. Johnny. And we go back to David feeling like I I'm afraid I'm not going to get quantifiable results. I don't know if anything would be other than finding more joy in the day to day. Mm-hmm. Which is everything, everything. you know, yeah. we're not, if we're, if we're, if we're not experiencing joy in our lives, then we have to ask, why are we doing what we're doing? Yeah. You know, cause we are, we have, uh, pleasure seeking beings you know, we we are at our best when we are flooded with endorphins, and we f- we feel that we are enjoying ourselves. Um, we are at our best in terms of the qualities and characteristics and the behaviour that we express um, is most conducive to harmony and uh, mutual benefit. When we are having a good time, when we're not having a good time, we tend to leave a bit of a mess yeah. around us. And so, you know, the big question that, you know, I posed to, is it, was it Simon? Did you say his name was? Uh, it was David. 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 Um, <clears throat> you know, how do you quantify value? What is the value system? You know, that, that's the big question that you need to ask yourself. And, you know, within that value, how is it contributing to your fulfillment? And, you know, it's really important to also distinguish the difference between fulfillment and feeling safe, you know, feeling uh, uh, okay that you've quelled the threat of danger. That is not fulfillment. That is just the absence of fear. Just like, you know, peace is not the absence of war, you know, because we cannot be at war and still have immense tension. Are we, are we at peace? No, you know, fulfillment is not necessarily the the absence of danger it's deeper it's richer than that you know okay i'm everything is fine i don't have to worry about how i'm going to pay the next um, month's installment of the mortgage or wh- whatever it is that makes you stressed you know we 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 have an obligation to dedicate ourselves to our fulfillment which is to transcend the 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 
the bondage of survival, of just surviving, and and not 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 being satisfied with just surviving as the milestone or the 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 uh, the uh, the marker for success. Survival is not a marker for success. You know, we, we, we need to become far more sophisticated in the way that we're living right now and uh, aiming for fulfillment. And I describe fulfillment in my book as the, the experience of deep connection with whomever or whatever we have our attention um, with. And in that experience of having our attention with that person or thing, that we are open to receiving deeper insights about who we are, who and what they are, and what our relationship to it is, so that we understand the sacredness of our existence, that it reveals to us the sacredness of our existence. More specifically, when our, when our attention is still and full in the present moment and we give it fully to another, what it does, it is enlivens the person that we are giving our attention to. They feel the full radiance of our present moment awareness, giving of our full attention. That is the greatest gift that we can give another. And what that does, it is it enlivens their highest qualities. And we become the receiver, the recipient, the, 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 the receiver of that beautiful, radiant appreciation. And what it does is it, it causes this reciprocity, this, this cycle of exchange. And, um, you know, this is how I define fulfillment, is the quality of the exchange of attention that is symbiotic, mutually beneficial, mm-hmm. that is serving each other's plight for greater connection, growth, and belonging in this world. Well, you gave me the title to the show, uh, I think, How to Escape the Bondage of Survival. Uh, (laughs) that is convicting to me. And and you said the other statement, I'll put this in the intro survival is not a marker of success. And when we hear that, however, people are thinking, uh, survival wise, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are just, just surviving financially. Um, they're just surviving relationally, uh, though in this one, I tend to think of how many people would say they are just surviving emotionally on so many different levels. And, you know, again, I'm going to go back to myself. I do not have a crippling emotional aspect of my life right now. If anything, I have said yes to too many exciting things. And Mm. I am, you spoke before about in my present, about being present with your kids. Uh, Sometimes I'm not just because I'm thinking of something fun, something, you know, something inside and I'm not there and I'm being brought back to, you've got to uh, let the overheating stop and come back. And I don't want to be in survival mode, emotionally, in my ability to be present. Um, man, it's just, uh, so, uh, you know, for all of us, it's a, such a time as this, at least for me, this, this it's all may just be for me, even though tens of thousands of people are going to listen, but I think yeah. it's going to hit a lot of people because I think too many of us can resonate with the need for what we, what you're helping us see, uh, that meditation from this, this brain training in essence can do for us. And thank you again for taking your time in uh the wee hours after your long trip to australia what time is it there johnny uh, it's, it's 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 a reasonable hour now it's 10 a.m 10 a.m so it's, yeah okay. and it's a beautiful morning so it's great to be i love the background yeah. birds uh, it makes me feel peaceful as well 
Um, but, uh, well, thank you again for, for doing that amongst your teachings and your travels for being with us again today. Uh, it's a gift. Thank you, Johnny. It's always my pleasure, Kevin. Anytime, mate. Okay, friends, hopefully you have heard enough on meditation at this point to make an educated and understanding choice for your own life. As I've shared quite a bit lately, this has been a hard practice for me to finally embrace, but I am doing it. Uh, finally, you know, with faith and expectation, uh, again, you can begin for yourself. Check out Johnny Powell's renowned app, One Giant Mind. Just type that into your app store or wherever you get your apps. If any of our shows with Johnny gave you value, will you testify to this and thank him by leaving a review in iTunes and mention him specifically? It'd be a great gift to all of us. Coming up in show 677, we are in our habits show. I'm with Rock Thomas. We prioritize and work towards what we give the most value. So how about more tangibly assigning empowering meaning to the things that really matter in your life? This is a mental habit that you'll hear of Rock Thomas, and he, he shared it in the show. Rock was our guest in show 675. I would really encourage you, don't miss that one, where we focused on changing the way we see ourselves. Other things we hit on in this habit show, he's 56 and he does 57 push-ups. He's in prime health. It's really inspiring. Uh, he grew up in a family with not really any good habits, he said. So healthy relational habits have sometimes been a weak area for him. He highly values a strong worth work ethic and, and blind faith. His personal pursuits are the piano that he's pursuing later in life, golfing, biking, swimming, and he loves the dance. It was just an inspiring run through with one of today's premier influencers and life coaches and his healthy habits. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.